Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. This is our 1,334th episode. I, I don't really know if that's true or not, but I do know that Atlanta United defeated Montreal 4-1 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday. The roof was open and so was the offense as the five stripes really kind of tore apart the impact. It was an inventive game. The players are playing with confidence. There were dummies. There were off-the-ball runs. It was every time Montreal, I think, thought they had something covered, an Atlanta United player would find a space. It was uh, it was exciting to watch. The goals were scored in chronological order by Jean de Silva in the 30th minute. Really nice piece of play. The most interesting goal last night was the Tiago Almada in the 33rd minute, and I wrote about that in the story that will appear in Monday's Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I hope that you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and, and look for that one. Yakamakis scored in the 46th minute, giving him 15 goals this year. He's once again tied for the golden boot. Atlanta United has three games remaining. And then Edwin Mosquera scored his second professional goal and his second as an Atlanta United player in the 89th minute. Ahmed Hamdi scored from Montreal in the 40th minute on a goal that was really too easy for Montreal. And we're going to get into that a little bit in the audio. And in your questions, you're going to hear from Gonzalo Pineda, Brad Guzan, Jamal Thierry, who made his debut for Atlanta United last night, and Jean De Silva. We've also got a question into the mailbag. The call-in number is 404-526-AJCP. And then lots of good questions from y'all to my email at droberson at ajc.com. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein. And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we're back. Let's go through the conference standings real quick because a lot of results kind of went Atlanta United's way. Last night, we now have a three-way tie or four-way tie on 49 points between Columbus, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and New England. Now, Columbus, Philadelphia, and New England have played fewer games than Atlanta United. Atlanta United has played 31. All those teams are one point behind Orlando, which has also played just 29 games. Atlanta United is going to be off next week, but the most important game for them and their goal to reach fourth in the East, at least fourth, I should say, is Columbus and Philadelphia. They play each other. I need to do some math to figure out what's going to be the best result for Atlanta United, but I think any way that any of the teams drop points, 
is going to be the best result for Atlanta United because it still has games at Philadelphia. That's its next game on a Wednesday, then Columbus. And then its final game on decision day is Cincinnati, which should have the supporter shield wrapped up and it could be a meaningless game for them. Just a reminder that the playoffs after the eight, nine seed play-in game is best of three. And it is a long best of three, like almost three weeks. It's really kind of silly by major league soccer to do it that way, but I don't make the schedule and I don't have the broadcast rights. Uh, I don't even know how, what I would do if I had the broadcast rights and that's the way it is. So if you are an Atlanta United supporter, I would keep a keen eye on the Columbus Philadelphia game next week. Orlando plays Miami today at seven 30. Miami's going to be without Messi, without Busquets, without Abba. It's going to be at Orlando. So you got to think they're going to win that game and move to four points ahead of the pack that is chasing it for second. The other game tonight is the Galaxy against Austin. The Galaxy are bottom of are almost bottom of the Western Conference with 33 points. Austin sits one above them at 34. Uh, they both need three points to try to make up the gap in the West, but y'all aren't here to listen to me talk about the Western Conference playoff races. Y'all are here to listen to me talk about Atlanta United, or I hope you are anyway. Let's start off with Gonzalo Pineda. And he, <laughs> I don't, I think maybe I can probably count on two hands the number of times I've seen Pineda walking around without a cup of coffee. So he comes into the press room last night. He's got a cup. Knowing that the team clinched a playoff berth last night, I thought I'd have a little fun and just asked him, is that champagne or coffee? Yeah, it's good that you asked because uh, uh, this is not even close like with the main goals that we have for this year. So, of course, it's very happy day for the whole franchise, the club, the staff, everyone, the players, the fans. But uh, but still, we have too many things to achieve this year and this is just the beginning. So, still my coffee. Once we, we win a trophy, then maybe champagne. And then you heard as part of his answer, talked about wanting to improve and, and do well in the playoffs and everything. So the natural follow-up is what did he like about the win and what does the team need to do better? Many things. I think there were. it was a very, very positive game in many, many uh, phases of the game. Offensively, it was very good. The beginning of the game, I think we should have scored the goal earlier. Uh, it didn't come, but I like the mentality of the team uh, where where we continue creating chances and, and disrupting Montreal's defensive line. Um, so offensively, it was very good, very creative. I like the numbers inside the box, the fluidity, the directness in our attacks. Um, and then defensively, I really, really like the way we were defending in the transition moments. I'm very picky with my wingers, with my 10, with my 9. Uh, sprint back, be goal-sided. Once the tr- we lose the ball, everybody, either we press immediately in the area of the ball, or if we are broken, we have to sprint back. When we didn't do that in the first half, a couple chances we, we got in behind. So uh, very pleased with those attackers because they were creating chances, but also helping uh, to defend. It wasn't a, an easy game for the defenders to defend against tall guys inside the box. Actually, they create a few chances, but goalkeeper, defenders, center mids, they had a tremendous game defensively as well. And then in the transitions, I think the transitions were very good. When we were fast, we, we talk about being more direct in the transition moments. So uh, the subs, I mean, many, many positives out of the game. The only probably negative is, is, is not keeping the clean sheet, which I'm still hopeful that we can get more in the season, but uh, overall a very good game. And then when you think back on Wednesday's match against DC United, Atlanta United's offense in the first 10 minutes was pretty dynamic, and then it kind of bogged down. And here's Pineda explaining 
what they learned from that that they were able to apply against Montreal? Well, yes, I, I feel like we, we learned the lesson on DC. I have to say also that the field in DC was a little bit thicker and it was very slow. So at times our passes uh, should have been in the space and then the field was lowered down. And then we lost probably three or four passes from there and then we start to lose control. But uh, that's maybe an excuse, but it's something that is in the back of my head that maybe it's a reason why we were not as sharp as today. When we have fast fields, when we have fields that the, the ball moves fast, I think we are normally pretty good. Um, but yeah, credit to the players, they were sharp in everything there. And then what I'm going to work is, number one, is balance the load of the team. Again, we had three games in a week. There are players with a lot of fatigue, a lot of uh, minutes. So we will try to balance that. And also the guys that didn't play too much, we will try to balance the fitness levels. But at some point, once we are closer to Philadelphia's game, I'm going to try to to continue with moving the ball fast. For me, moving the ball fast, especially when the teams start to press us, is pivotal for the style of the team. Because more and more teams are going to try to press us. And then we have to be faster in the way we, we disrupt the midfield. Because now we know that we have that speed on the flanks and that creativity. So uh, moving the ball faster is going to be one of my emphasis, <coughs> the fluidity in midfield. So uh, those are areas of improvement. So I described, you know, the most impressive goal I thought was the second goal. It was a, it featured a dummy by Caleb Wiley, a one touch by Jean De Silva, a good heads up play again by Wiley, uh, Silva just bursting through Montreal's very surprised defense and on top of the goalkeeper before anybody could react. And then he beating the goalkeeper, playing it back to Almada, one touch score. Just a brilliant piece of, of soccer, I think. And we're going to get into some of Silva and, and Saba Lopchenitze in your questions. But the player I wanted to talk about for a second was Caleb Wiley, because since the league's cup break, he has become to me, probably one of the most impactful players on Atlanta United, the goals and the assists, you know, he's not getting a lot of those, but when you watch his work effort, his, his, his defensive play, he's getting up and down that wing, just like a crazy person. He's blocking shots. He's putting in crosses. He's beating people one-on-one. He's making off-the-ball runs. He looks like a guy who is really trying to push to make that Olympic team next year and really trying to give, uh, you know, he's. I don't think he's going to start over um, the United States left back, whose name is escaping me right now, uh, Dest, I guess. But he's proving that that teams in Europe should probably start, you know, deciding how much potential they think he might have if they want to make an offer. On to Brad Guzan on just the team clinching a playoff berth. Yeah, listen, that's that's obviously uh, priority number one, uh, but now we've got to try and finish as high as we can. We, we know that home field advantage is, is huge for us, um, and so we want to try and finish uh, in those top spots to, to be able to, to have that advantage. The team's performance in the last three matches? Um, they were good. Uh, I thought today was good. Uh, Wednesday, we took our foot off the gas in D.C. Uh, and obviously, uh, the game in Miami, uh, or against Miami, was, was, was a good result. Um, you know, we, we need to... It's always difficult when you play midweek, especially away. Um, but knowing the quick turnaround from one game to the next and what the playoffs will be, will be like, uh, that's going to be important that we're able to, to manage that, that time frame. 
need to point out that Atlanta United is tied with Houston for having earned the most points since the League's Cup. That's kind of the focus of my Monday story is the League's Cup getting eliminated might have actually done Atlanta United a lot of good. And here's Brad talking about if playing good teams before the playoffs kind of helps them get a mental edge going into the postseason. I'll let you know after how those three games go. Um, you know, uh, you know, I've always said you want to be on the upswing going into the playoffs. And, you know, um, obviously that includes performance, that includes points, that includes all the different things that come with playing games against especially tough teams. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, we got to be up for that challenge and, and hopefully carry that uh, – don't carry that confidence into the playoffs. And then I need to follow up with that goal scored by Montreal because it was just too easy. It was a ball over the top. Player gets to the end line, that primary assist zone that you hear Pineda talk about. Cut back pass. No one is is tracking the runner. Uh, he's able to take a touch, line up a shot, and boom, into the lower right corner. It's just a, the kind of goal you cannot give up if you want to win trophies. And we've seen that happen with Atlanta United a little too often this year. But as you heard Guzan say, they did respond. They did put on a couple more goals. I just don't know how many playoff games you're going to score four goals in. So it's not giving up those easy goals is is one of the keys. So we'll see what Atlanta United works on defensively in this next week before they go to Philadelphia. Jamal Thierry, as I, I need to pronounce it correctly, as Sarah has taught us, Jamal Thierry, I think that's right, Made his debut, came on for like 12 minutes. I think his first touch led to a second yellow card on a Montreal player. He's not a big guy like, or a thick guy, strong guy like Yakamakis or Barry. He's going to be a different type of striker for Atlanta United. Uh, he's fast. He's a good finisher. But here he is talking about his MLS debut. I've been training for this, and, um, and I really want to be ready for the team and the best way I can. Um, and show what I can do on the field. I love his honesty. Here he is talking about his expectations for the rest of the season. I don't have any expectations. Um, this is new for me. The MLS is new for me. Um, but I, it's, it's very open, and, and I can't wait to see what's, what's going to happen for me here. They're going to wrap up with Shandy Silva, who scored a goal, had an assist, and is just terrorizing defenses. Before his goal, Montreal, like some other teams before him, did not quite know what to do to defend him. Here's what he liked about the win. No, I think uh, the togetherness was there, you know. I think uh, the most, what, made, what made us win today, tonight was the togetherness. and Yeah, that's what we need. All right, when we come back. We're going to go to the voicemail. We're going to go to the traditional emails. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. But you got to go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to know what's really going on. That's subscribe dot ajc.com slash podcasts one more time subscribe 
www.ajc.com slash podcast, 99 cents, three months, unlimited digital access to everything we produce, and we produce a lot. On to the mailbag. That number is 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. Daniel is on the board. Daniel is awaiting your calls. And if you need a, a 1974 Pinto, he might be able to hook you up with one of those too. That's 404-526-2527. And if you feel like when you ask your next question, you want to share with me what your very first car was, I would love to hear about it. Mine was a 1966 Mercury Comet, red with a black top, straight six cylinder. The car was so big and the engine was so small, you could open the hood and literally stand inside the engine well and not touch either the fender or the engine. It was a big car. It was a fun car. Bench seats in the front and back. Anyway, on to Chance from Lawrenceville. Hey, Doug. This is Chance from Lawrenceville. I just wanted to ask your opinion. So we're pretty much guaranteed the playoff spot. Oh, we are guaranteed the playoff spot. I'm still not fully sure on that. But at what point do you think do we keep climbing for a highest possible position versus trying to rest some of our guys who have been injury-prone in the past for the last couple games to, you know, make sure they're fully ready for playoffs. Um, I'm just kind of wondering if some of our guys who have been injured in the past, do we really need to have that fourth or third place slot, or do we be content with a fifth or sixth? Anyway, thank you so much for hearing me out, and I uh, hope you're enjoying your hobby, Doug. Have a good one. Bye. But thank you, Chance. Uh, so to answer your question, um, yes, the, they do need to finish as high as they possibly can. And as I explained earlier, it's a best of three in the first round. So if you are seed one through four, two of those three games could be at your stadium. Atlanta United at home is 10-3-3. Atlanta United on the road is 3-5-7. The only team I think you probably want to or you wouldn't be too worried about facing if they were the two, two home game team would be New England because they are in a tailspin right now with everything that has happened to that franchise. But against everybody else, uh, I would want the two home games compared to the two road games. Atlanta United is just a very different team most of the time at home than it is on the road. So, no, I would not rest any starters until you know exactly where you're going to finish in the standings regardless of outcomes. And then you can make a decision. And again, the playoffs are so spread out that there's going to be plenty of time to rest anyway. But I appreciate the question. It was a good question. And make sure you subscribe because I did write in Saturday's paper that Atlanta United could clinch a playoff berth by beating Montreal on Saturday. I had a whole story about that. We've got a game story. Our intern Charlotte was out last night and wrote about Atlanta United's uh, reaction to making the playoffs. Uh, I tweeted that out at Doug Robertson, AJC. I hope you'll go and, and read her story. She's a Northwestern a student. She uh, grew up in an area I used to work in down in Florida. Enjoyed seeing her last or meeting her last night, I should say. On to the Boomful, who says, my man Silva is doing it again. He says, I watched a portion of each MLS match this week and last, and I don't know that any MLS team is as dynamic, controlling, and quick as Atlanta United. The team looks so shifty. Well, Columbus is pretty darn good. LAFC is pretty darn good. But yes, Atlanta United is looking much, much better post-Leagues Cup than it did before Leagues Cup. As I wrote in the Monday story, gone is the horseshoe of death, as my friend Tim calls it. It's much more vibrant, much more vertical soccer 
than we saw earlier this year and last year. He continues, Dustin Boonful. Mosquera is definitely better as a late sub than a starter. His absolute elite speed allows the team to stretch the field against a tired back line, and multiple times last night, he was able to get back faster than anyone else we have with a 60-70 to 70 yard run to cover and close out the overload on the right. Sort of early Newcastle Miguel Almiron style. He says, I felt bad for Tiarchi. Clearly a little lost last night. A bit premature for him to be out there as far as system awareness goes. He says the defense still scares him, but this running gun offense and excitement is worth it. Yeah, I, as I pointed out about the defense, yep, it's still got some issues. Just kind of switching off or not tracking runners. And, you know, they got to get that fixed. Uh, Thierry needed some minutes. It's good for him to kind of get the vibe of Mercedes-Benz, get on the field. Uh, you know, we've heard a couple of times now he – I don't know what kind of training he was doing while he was waiting on his visa, but he, he says he's still got to get in shape. On to Fletcher, who says – I think Fletcher is a first-time question asker, so hi, Fletcher. He says, I've been a fan of the podcast since discovering it early this season. Well, thank you, Fletcher. I thoroughly enjoyed our domination of Montreal last game and thought my of my question while there. My question is, what is Jean de Silva's contract situation? I think it saw it was a loan. If so, for how long? And could it become permanent, maybe even DP level? On the subject, I believe Parata is also on loan. Is there any chance that becomes permanent or extended? Finally, which players have contract expiring and which ones are likely to get extensions? Uh, so I've covered all of this uh, in my stories, Fletcher. If you, I hope you'll subscribe to the AJC to, to get our Atlanta United coverage. Silva is on loan. I was told off the record about the loan status and how Atlanta United can make it permanent, so I can't share that information because it was off the record. But we'll see what the team does. Uh, I don't think th- this is just me talking. This is not information that I was told off the record. I don't think the team would make him a DP. I think they, you know, maybe a TAM level deal, uh, but not DP. But he is he's performing so, so well for Atlanta United. I'm trying to line up a story with him this week. Uh, the team's got some off days, so it's just going to depend upon if their off days match up with my work days. Just to talk about his his travails in Europe. Um, he's played for a lot of different teams, but he is playing very, very well for Atlanta United. It, he's fun to watch. Barata is also on loan based upon the fact that he has barely played since the League's Cup. I doubt that Atlanta United will extend his loan. They've got Noah Cobb in the pipeline as a homegrown. They have They think he has a very, very bright future. So I think that if Robinson leaves and they don't try to sign Brata permanently, maybe they try to bring him back on loan. A lot's going to depend upon what happens with Miles Robinson going to players whose contracts are expiring. He's out of a contract. He does not want to re-sign with Atlanta United, at least not right now. But we'll see. If he doesn't get a better offer from some other team in Major League Soccer or in Europe, he may decide, hey, this place is not so bad. I'm home. I've built a home here. And re-sign at wouldn't be a DP level deal. It would be the highest TAM deal the team could sign him to. But of course, as I've said a couple of times, maybe there are no DPs next season. Maybe MLS tweaks its rules or changes its rules to make things easier. As for other players, um, if you'll go and do a Google search for Doug Robertson and contract and Atlanta United, I wrote something two weeks ago about who's going to be out of contract and who's not going to be out of contract. You can find all that information there. Uh, you're right about who's that too. His contract is expiring. There's a couple more players. Joel says, thanks as always for the great coverage of the team. 
two things I thought of when watching tonight. Do we know what the fee would be to make Silva's deal permanent? Uh, I don't. The team does. He brings so much, and I think we have to trigger that option or negotiate a deal, but not sure what type of money the team is looking at. I, I don't know what his salary demands were. I'm assuming most loan deals have triggers in them for appearances or goals scored or something like that. And I got to figure Atlanta United would make the loan deal or the other team would make the loan deal such that he would need to play in like 50% or two-thirds of the remaining games, and he's going to do that. But then it just depends upon can the team work out uh, salary with whoever represents Silva. So we'll see. Thoughts on Abram in his rise? Was he just needing to settle at the beginning of the season? Watching live, you can see he and Miles have a good rapport and communicate well. Yeah, so Abram is an interesting guy. He does not talk to the media. He does not like talk to the media, so we have not spoken to him this season. He speaks English very well, we've been told. And he's a guy that, if you remember back in the U.S. Open Cup, he really struggled uh, in that first game against Memphis, and he struggled again, I think, against Columbus when he played. And I theorized that maybe he's just a guy that needs a consistent run to find form. And then Pineda said something similar a couple of weeks later. He has started, I think, every game since the League's Cup break. And yes, he is performing very, very well with Miles. When he was signed, you know, Cerebral is the, is the talking point that everyone kept saying. Uh, Pineda, Garth, Bocanegra, kind of Parkhurst-like passing and ability to read the game. And right now we're seeing it. Is he, you know, been 100% perfect in every game? No, but nobody has. But he is playing really, really well. I thought Parata was a good player too. But, you know, the team isn't giving up as many goals. That's not purely on Parata. Having Miyumba in the middle of the field has also been a gigantic benefit for Atlanta United. But, yeah, he, he and Robinson have formed a very, very good partnership. One thing I've noticed about Miyumba is he understands that you don't have to always make the tackle to disrupt an opponent's attack. Sometimes all you have to do is just get a little touch on the ball, just a toe, to make to you know interrupt the dribbler or make a guy have to take a stutter step, and then everything kind of grinds to a halt, or or your teammates get that tenth of a second they needed to take a quick glance around and and see where they need to be. But he does that very very well. And thank you for your question, Joel. Adam, friend of the podcast, says. It's nice to see the team maintaining the form and earning the playoff bid as a reward for their efforts. It will be interesting to see how the club does against Philadelphia and Columbus, given the prospects of seeing either one in the postseason. Also true. To wit, which probable playoff matchup do you think is best for Atlanta? Well, it depends on if they're home or away. I've already said that either way, I think New England might be the best matchup because it's a franchise that just has some troubles. Right now, other than that, you know, Montreal, if they make the playoffs, is a good matchup. DC is a little bit of a tough matchup because of Benteke. He scored a hat trick in, the, I think, the first half last night. Nashville is a tough matchup. I think of the, the teams that are definitely in, New England is probably the best matchup. Adam continues, assuming Atlanta can't earn a home match, would you do anything to experiment with the lineup in the final matches, either to rest players or to try something out? Now, yeah, yeah kind of. If I were Pineda... This next week, I would really drill five at the back. I talked about this on the last podcast. Just make sure that the guys are have some sort of comfort level going back to that because you may need it. If you have a one-goal lead on the road in Columbus or on the road in Philadelphia and you got 15 minutes and you're just holding on for dear life, you need to know this is the space I cover, this is the space you cover. If this guy makes a run, if the run's coming from this angle, this he picks it up, those kind of things. Set pieces, who picks up what. If you go back to 2018 when Atlanta United won the MLS Cup, 
Tata switch to kind of a back five with with the wing backs. The, and there are wing backs that can get up and down the field, offense and defense. Atlanta United has those in Wiley and Lennon if that's what they wanted to do. Saba and Silva could probably do it, but defensively I think Wiley and Lennon would be much better. But then, of course, you have to sacrifice either Saba or Silva, and that would be tough to swallow too. Adam says, I hope you're enjoying the beautiful weather. Good, sir. Cheers. Well, thanks. I'm going to go for a, a walk with a special friend of mine later this afternoon. Josh says, I love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, thanks, Josh. Thank you for listening. Josh's question is, normally Atlanta is attacking the goal near the supporter section in the second half. Today, the order of the sides defended was reversed. Why is that? I guess maybe a coin toss. I don't know. I'll have to try to find that out. Really something I've ever thought about a lot, but I'll try to figure out if I can research that. So good question. You made me think. Ben and Sherry, friends of the podcast, say, finally, our best starting 11. So I did ask uh, Johannes last yesterday, when's the last time all three DP started? Because we were curious about that at the DC game. And uh, we'd forgotten that all three started at Dallas. Uh, Saba, Gigi, and Almada. But before that, you have to go like to June something when Luis Arahujo was still on the team. And, and prior to that Dallas game, that was the last time that all three DP started. They did start last night, played well. Ben and Cherry continue. Thierry finally appears on the bench. Well, it was only his third game, so I don't, I don't know if finally is the right word. But, yes, he was on the bench, and, of course, we talked about he made his debut. Sosa, by contrast, has disappeared completely. Yes, he has. Neither Sosa nor Etienne made the game day roster the second consecutive game for the combo. I think the third game for Sosa. It's pretty clear. I don't think they're in Atlanta United's plans. Pineda was asked about that last night, and he just said the other players are in better form. And sometimes it just doesn't work. Or sometimes other players play better. That's just how it is. Greg says, great win last night. Kudos to Carlos in the front office. Seems like ages ago that Arahujo, Etienne, Gutman, and Abara were all in the starting 11. Probably an oversimplification. But the skill set that the new transfers bring seems incredibly superior to those prior signings in terms of creating synergy as opposed to hero ball. See Arahujo, Barco, Jurgen Dom. Do you attribute this to a new scouting model, Garth's influence? It's a whole bunch of things. You know, they, they've brought in players who are fast, for starters. Mayamba Silva, Lopchenitze. We'll see. I think Thierry is fast. And Arahujo is fast. Etienne was supposed to be fast, but we didn't really get a chance to see it a lot this year. Some uh, game model and, and circumstances and things like that. Abara is not at all fast. Some of it is, I think, the team recognizing we have weaknesses here, and we also need some more experience on the roster. We're, we're too young with some of these guys, and they were able to use their scouting partners. They added a scouting partner this year, use some of MLS's existing scouting uh, departments, and find guys for inexpensive contracts in the second division in France, uh, as well as Sobalopchenitsa. Uh, in Georgia, in Eastern Europe, and they've got some good players. It's, you know, players don't like it. I don't think players like it when I say this, but players are commodities. You can find what you're looking for at a pretty, probably decent price. You just got to put in the work. And Atlanta United Scouting Department and uh, their partners have put in the work, and they're able to find good players. Just because you spend $50 million for just a round number, it doesn't mean that player is going to be a $50 million player. It's just a random value. 
as Chelsea has learned this past two years. Spending the money doesn't guarantee success. Eric with the question of the week. And I don't know why I call it question of the week when we do like multiple podcasts a week, but that's neither here nor there. And it's Eric with a K. The last set of transfers has to rank among the most influential in franchise history. And I assume you mean positively influential. Where do you think it ranks in MLS history? I think you mean the team's MLS history. I'm hoping you mean the team's MLS history because I do not know the windows for every MLS team in history. So I am going to narrow this down to Atlanta United. The most influential transfer window in history obviously has to be the uh, the winter window before the 2017 season when Miguel Almiron, I think it was the winter window, Joseph Martinez, Brad Guzan, you had the draft. All, a lot of those guys came in. Um, that would be the most influential window in Atlanta United history. This one has the potential to be probably second most important in the history of the team. There's been a couple of summer windows where the team, like in 2018, they got Eric Rometty, who was just a massive, massive uh, signing for Atlanta United that summer. Did so many good things for the team. He was fit. He was he was tough. But yeah, this one, if they can keep Silva, and if Thierry ends up being a, a backup striker that can score goals, which Atlanta United and most MLS teams haven't had, this, this could be probably the second most influential transfer window, I think, in Atlanta United's history. I'm trying to think of another one real quick. There's been some bad ones. <laughs> There's been some really bad ones, but yeah, this has potential. Eric says he's digging the pod. Thank you, Eric. We dig you. I want to remind you to please tell your friends about our show. Give it a rating, not just to yourself, but like on Spotify or Apple. That's what helps us grow the podcast. I want you to keep in mind, please, the voicemail number, 404-526-AJCP. If you don't call, Daniel's going to start crying. So you need to call as soon as you get done with this podcast. Call and ask a question. 404-526-2527. And if you want to subscribe, and I hope you do, subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. We're going to wrap up the 2,332nd episode in Southern Fried Soccer podcast history. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones, and thanks for listening to Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Y'all take care.